can we give that to God tonight? Can we give him a shout of praise for the breath that's in our lungs? Come on, we may not have a lot, but he let us come to church on a Tuesday night to deliver us from whatever we brought before him. Clap your hands if you're thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can make your way back to your seats. Is anybody thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Anybody glad you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs? Living to fight another day? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Can I just say I miss my bishop and my first lady? It's like a vacuum when they're not here. It's just different. But I'm so thankful for them. I never want to take for granted one service. I said I never want to take for granted one single service that God allows me to be in his presence. There's a lot better preachers in this place tonight than me. They could do a much better job. But I'm just humbled that I'm in this desk tonight. I don't feel like I'm worthy, but I'm just humbled. Anybody come with an expectation in their spirit that they needed something from God? Anybody other than myself feel like they don't have things figured out just yet? I, I said, I'm just still keeping on. I don't have the answers. I don't know who and what holds. The, I know that God's got my answers. Uh, and he is my strength. And he is there, a present help in a time of trouble. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I can tell you that I have never wrestled with God like I've wrestled with him about this message tonight. I didn't want to preach it, if I'm being honest. I'm just being, I'm being transparent. Y'all know me, I'm plain. But one thing that I'm scared more than anything else is I don't want to disobey the Holy Ghost. More than man, more than any organization, I don't want to disappoint the God that has given me grace and mercy. The God that has allowed me to see another day. The God that has given me strength when I didn't deserve it. The God that was better to me than I've ever been to myself. Does anybody feel that in the house tonight? I just don't want to disappoint God. The Bible says in Proverbs 9 and 10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, this new generation, this new spirit that's in the earth that's of the devil says that God is peace, love, and joy, and there's no fear when you love God. That's a partial truth. But if you don't fear God, you don't fear God's commandments, something's wrong. I know that's not popular in the generation I'm in. I said, but if you don't believe this book and you don't believe that God is still a God of wrath and God of anger and that his presence deserves to be reverenced, we live in a dangerous, dangerous time. Hallelujah. While I'm, 
was in my feelings and all my insecurities, can I tell you that I feel so safe right now in the anointing of God? I said, I ain't lying to you. The devil tried to bow to me not to speak this, but I feel so safe right now in this house. I just want to give God praise for a moment for his mercy and his grace. I said, because he's bigger and badder than any devil that you brought with you. Anything that you thought you couldn't overcome that you brought in this house tonight, the God that we serve is bigger and better. You're able to overcome. Hallelujah. I said the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. If you would stand this evening. My father from the grave has helped me. It doesn't really mean as much to you perhaps as it does to me because you didn't really know my dad's testimony. But my dad didn't have the walk with God that most of us have until the last year or six months of his life. He knew what it was like to grow up hard and rough in the world. But as I was wrestling with God about what to preach tonight, the last couple weeks of my dad's life, I was in his living room. I handed him a Bible and I said, Dad, I don't want you to hand this back to me right now. I want you to keep it. But all my heroes signed my Bible. I said, I want you, I want you to sign my Bible because you have fought a good fight. It wasn't pretty, but you fought. I was weak in the knees when I opened that Bible the next day because the man that I knew didn't really know God. But he wrote a simple message. He said, may God give you strength to carry out your convictions. So as feeble and insecure as I may be, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I thank God for his grace and his mercy. Come on, when we didn't deserve it, for God to give us just a little glimpse of tomorrow and say, it's okay, son, everything's going to be all right. Our opening text will be Matthew chapter 7. We'll start at verse 18. The spirit that's within this message, it just feels old to me. You probably won't hear this at any youth conference. It won't make a lot of real views. But I still believe that God's word is all-powerful. I said every single scripture... Matthew chapter 7, we'll start at verse 18. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Whereby their fruits ye shall 
know them. I just take a pause. Anytime you want to wonder if somebody sent from God or the devil, just look at the fruit they got. If you're unsure about the words that's coming out of their mouth, just look at their fruit and see if they're from God or, or from the adversary. Verse 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. I ran a bus ministry, God. I taught some Bible studies, God. Come on, I cleaned the church, God. I, I, I was there when Bishop and First Lady needed help. I was painting, God. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Luke 11, 35. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. That the light that is within you be not darkness. It's heavy. I don't expect, I don't anticipate, the Holy Ghost has already spoke to me. I don't anticipate a whole bunch of amens. I don't anticipate a bunch of aisle running. I don't need that. I don't need that to preach this. I truly hope that if there's one person, and God knows I need it myself, but if this can reach one person, this will not only unlock doors that God has set before you, but it will unlock revival within your families. Does anybody need a touch tonight from God? If nobody else needs God tonight, God, I need you. Lift your hands with me as we pray. God, surround us right now, Jesus. God, in this sanctuary, God, hide me behind the cross. God, don't let me preach without your anointing. God, I need every word that comes from my mouth, God. I need your saturation of anointing, Jesus. God, I'm a feeble vessel, God, but use me, Jesus. Clap your hands if you love the Lord tonight. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Apostolic atheist. Apostolic atheist. To some, that may be an oxymoron, but the scriptures I just read tell me that there's going to be some people that don't make it to heaven. There's going to be some people that make it to heaven that I didn't even know about. 
I said, they may have looked like me. They may have dressed like me. They may have even spoken tongues in the altar. But the Bible says that there's some people that called on his name, that knew God, that knew oneness, that knew Acts 2.38, that prophesied and did works. But they will not make it into his presence. The destruction of unity. One of the most powerful revelations I've been here has been from Bishop in the Tower of Babel. There's one thing that catches God's attention, and that's when his people come together, when his people who don't let murmurings and strife and complaining come between them, when a people set their mind in one accord and say, thus saith the Lord, we're going to see revival in Fort Myers. We're going to see revival in Lee County. We're going to see revival nationwide when they come together in unity. Probably the most powerful thing that catches God's attention is one that you may not know, but it is the number one thing that the devil truly desires. It's the destruction of unity. They were unified when they built the tower, and there's nothing more that the devil wants than division in his house. If there's one thing that the apostolic movement or the oneness, whatever you want to coin the phrase as, if there's one thing that I've come to learn in my 34 years, there's a plague that run rampant in the movement. And it's not about our dress. It's not our attire. It's not how we speak. It's not the power that this Bible brings us. But it's the words that we use to cause division amongst the brethren. I'm sorry. Was it something I said? I said it's not the people on the outside of the walls that's doing the dividing because we know who the almighty God is. But if it's anything that we battle within the movement, it's division amongst ourselves. Well, hallelujah. Our words have power. I said the words that you choose to utter, the words that you choose to speak, the moments in time where you choose to open your mouth and utter syllables, your words have power. When Pharaoh spoke, Joseph was promoted. When Esther spoke, it saved an entire race. When Saul spoke, Ahimelech was killed. When Ahab spoke, Naboth's vineyard was taken. David spoke, and Uriah was sent to his death. Jehoshaphat spoke, and angels ambushed Israel's enemies. Herod spoke, and John the Baptist was beheaded. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, and three Hebrew boys went into a furnace. Belshazzar spoke and Daniel went to a lion's den. Can I tell you, that is an anointed child of God. When you choose to speak, your words have power. I struggled with this because I know where I'm at. I know what unity looks like. Can I get an amen? 
I said when something needs to be done around the church, there just ain't one or two people doing it. There's an army of angels that God has said, I'll trust them with my burden. I'll trust them with my work. It doesn't have to be a pulpit ministry. It could be on the end of a paintbrush or on the end of a crescent wrench working on air conditioners. But there's something that I love when I see God's unified people that come together for his work. I'm going somewhere. Your words matter. They're not meant just to fill up a space and time because you're nervous. I said, God's given you the Holy Ghost. You have a sound mind. I'm not, I'm not afraid of the adversary when somebody questions me about my doctrine or my beliefs. I'm going to square my shoulders ten toes down and say, thus saith the Lord, I know what I believe. Hallelujah. All that power. We know that the tongue's the most unruly member of the body. All that power that we possess. One of the greatest things that God detests is evil communications. Unclean communications. That's what got Aaron and Miriam. You know, they were in the church. I'll say it again. Aaron and Miriam were in the church and they started speaking against Moses. Can I tell you the very first fast-tracked way, if you really want to get sideways with God, you just start talking about your leadership behind closed doors. Uh, you can hide a few things from your pastor. You can hide it uh, from your brother and your sister, but you can't hide uh, from the Holy Ghost. Uh, you want to get sideways and bring curses uh, onto your family. You go ahead and sanction uh, speaking against the church uh, and his work uh, and his man of God. Anybody thankful for your leadership tonight? Anybody thankful for the watchman on the I feel my help right now. Are you thankful to have somebody that's not afraid to say, you can't go here. You can't do this. Why? Because he's saving my family and myself. Clap your hands if you love God and you love his man. God hates when we communicate evilly. And so you understand that when I say evil communication, some of you already wrote yourself off. I'm not communicating evilly. Whew, that was close. Murmuring and complaining got more people in trouble in the Bible than anything else. I said they wasn't talking about the pastor, but maybe they didn't like the function. Maybe they didn't like the music. Maybe they didn't like the sanctuary. I'm, I'm preaching Maybe things just wasn't just quite right and it was brought up in a conversation behind closed doors. Well, you know, I just didn't really care. I'm telling you, when you communicate evil, you've opened up a door that you're not ready to sanction within your family. You've opened up division amongst you and God because God stands behind his man. I want to tell you what kills revival. I've never read it like this before. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the, to the heathens. 
The next scripture says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. The scripture before that is talking about evil communications coming out of your mouth. Because you said, I ain't responsible for killing no revival. When evil communications are corrupt and they proceed out of your mouth, the scripture says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Another parallel to this is found in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19. That it says, quench not the Spirit. Those words that you speak that maybe, maybe they're not egregious, maybe they're not very carnal, maybe it's just planting a seed in somebody's mind of distrust against the leadership, maybe, maybe I'm way off base, maybe it's just something that you feel like arguing and complaining about, maybe things didn't get handled just quite the right way you thought it should when it should have gotten taken care of. But can I tell you that when we open ourselves up to communicate in discord, we lose our anointing. Quench not the spirit. The Bible says, how can, how can a fountain spring up bitter water and sweet water at the same time? I'm sorry, you, you said you was apostolic and you spoke in tongues, but you were spewing poison behind closed doors to somebody that didn't know any better. I said, you said you knew God, and you said you were apostolic. You said you loved him, but your fruit implies otherwise. I'm just preaching the Bible. It said, where can this bitter water come up from the sand? I'm telling you, it can't. I'm telling you, you can't speak in tongues and live in, a, in an unrighteous manner. You can't have anointing in the Holy Ghost and still sow seeds of discord amongst the brethren. Bitter and sweet water. Bible says, how can that good tree produce bad fruit? Come on, we're apostolic. I can tell you, the movement now that's in the earth, you ain't got nothing to be ashamed of. The charismatic, the secular, whatever you want to call it, the church of yesterday or the millennium, whatever it is, it's not unpopular anymore to run and dance in church. It's not unpopular to be baptized. We're apostolic. We believe all those truths. One thing that's different about apostolic is we are submitted to a man of God. I know that's unpopular. Because if there's one spirit that's in the earth, it tells our young people, you don't need a man of God in your life. God's so big, he can speak just to you. And when you start to remove your cover off of yourself, you have opened doors to the adversary. Bittersweet. I said you still need a man of God in your life. I said, you still need somebody that sees further than you, that knows more than you. Come on, that's got anointing over your life that you trust. It says to shun in 2 Timothy 2 and 16, shun profane and vain babblings. You know what profane is, right? We know better. I'm just going to hit this one between the eyes. We don't have bad days where we get to use profanity. I'm sorry. 
I said, we don't have bad days when you know the one and true almighty God that saved you from your sin. You don't get to use profanity when the day's bad. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If there's anything I know about this generation, they want you to censor everything. But when you start to censor that ugly mouth at work, and when you tell people, I'm sorry, I can't be around that. My Holy Ghost, when all of a sudden, you're self-righteous. I'm telling you, that's a lie from the devil. You can't go to church on Sunday and cuss on Monday. The Holy Ghost I got convicted me about that. Well, hallelujah. So we know about profanity. What I found peculiar is that the Greek translation of vain actually means fruitless. Fruitless conversation. The older I get, I'm still young, in my own mind anyway. The more I know is that sometimes God sends people at opportune moments in your life just to talk to you, to distract you. I, I'm just preaching. I mean, don't, don't, take, don't kill the messenger. I'm just telling you there's been moments uh, when I've been tried to pray with somebody at a conference and I felt the urge uh, to speak a word and all of a sudden somebody came up and wanted to talk about what the preacher was wearing or what the music was. I'm telling you, sometimes not all voices are good voices. Uh, not all babblings are vain, but this is, this is what God's telling us, uh, that if it's fruitless, uh, it's not worthy to be in our lives. He said to shun that. Verse 17 says that those words would eat as the canker. If there's anything I want y'all to hear tonight, and I'm preaching to myself, you have to protect your faith at all cost. I'm sorry. There's people out in the world, there's people in the church, there's people in this, there's, there's people everywhere. Your faith has to be protected. It's fragile. You can't allow just muck and filth to be filtered through your ears 24 hours a day and expect to uphold the standards and be able to, to contend for the faith. I'm going somewhere. They eat as the canker concerning the truth they've aired, saying that the resurrection's already passed. They're speaking about Hymenaeus and Philetus. The last part of the scripture says that canker worm, those vain and profane babblings, that fruitless speech, it says that it overthrew the faith of some. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm not analytical in nobody's speech. But if there's one thing we've got to be precautious about in revival and when we're soul winning, the devil will use people to come your way to plant seeds of doubt about what God has spoke to you about why you moved where you moved, about where you're at in God and things that you did. Can I tell you that you just need to get something in your spirit that says, I'm sorry. 
It's already settled. I don't understand it. I can't explain it, but I'm not explaining myself. I'm walking with God. Tell somebody the devil ain't going to hurt my faith. Ain't going to hurt my kids' faith. I'm going to expose the devil. No, baby, that's just somebody that don't know what they're talking about. No, baby, that's just somebody who's entertaining the devil. No, baby, no, God did speak to us. Let me tell you what happens whenever you overthrow somebody's faith through your vain babbling. You just committed spiritual manslaughter. You know what that is? That's when you really didn't intend to do it, but man, your mouth just overflowed and it just came out. And all of a sudden, you've got people whose faith has been taken into your hands and compromised. I'm, I'm just the mouthpiece tonight. We got to be careful what we allow people here come out of our mouths. It may be innocent, it may not mean anything, but when a visitor or somebody that's new to God hears you speaking a certain way about the ministry or the building or this faith, this doctrine, these standards, there's implications in the spirit world that whenever you tarnish somebody's faith. Manslaughter. Can I tell you what Satan's lust is? Jude 1 and 16 says, murmurers and complainers walking after their own lust. Let me just sum this up. If they're murmuring, murmuring and complaining, that's not God speaking. That's it. That's it, close the case. If it's murmuring and complaining, that's, that's their, the Bible says their father's lust, which is the devil. Satan's lust is to stir up envy and strife. He wants people to murmur and complain. He never sees the glass half full. He always sees it half empty. There's always something to be better. There's never nothing that's good. There's never nothing that's pure. There's never nothing that's encouraging. There's never nothing that's edifying to the body. But it's some poison that says it's my lustful, sinful desire that wants to tear apart division in the church. I said, we got a sickness in apostolic. I'm not talking about this house. I'm talking about as a body in this world. You know one God, but we have trouble with our mouths running preachers down, running ministries down. We, just because somebody dresses different, we feel that we have unction to call them out and talk ill about them. Can I tell you that that's not our place? That's between them and God. You want to get yourself sideways. You want to get a curse on your family. Just start speaking about another man or woman of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe what I'm preaching right now. I believe what I'm preaching. I got a fear in my body that says, God, I don't care what they do. I don't care what they say. It's not coming out of my mouth. Anybody ever got backhand when they was a kid? Hashtag, bring back the backhand. 
Because I said some stuff that I shouldn't have said, and man, my answer, my, my, somebody was always around the corner ready to catch me slipping. I thought I had it under my breath. Can I tell you that I wish God would, anytime there was something in my spirit that wasn't pure, anytime there was something that could sow discord, anytime there was something that would make my brother stumble, God slapped me in my mouth. That's some strong medicine, but I feel it. Hallelujah. Can I preach about contrary doctrine? Can I just tell you, you shouldn't be shocked if you've been in church any amount of time. The Bible says that the tares reside with the wheat. That's the word. I'm not worried. They can believe what they want to believe. But I'll tell you one thing, come talk to me about it. You say one side thing about my bishop. You say one side thing about what my family believes about the truth of this doctrine. You've barked up the wrong tree. Because we need men and women with a backbone that's not afraid to look the devil in the face and say, I'm not ashamed of this truth. I'm not ashamed of my church. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. The devil's getting black eyes tonight. <laughs> Contrary doctrine. Romans 16 and 17. Bible says, mark them which cause divisions and offenses. It gets specific. It says, contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. I feel something. Some, some of you are way too comfortable. I've been there. I'm going to try and help them. Can I walk in it? Uh, he, he's, I'm going to help him. He just doesn't know what he's saying. I'm going to try and teach him something. Can I tell you what your Bible says? It says to mark them. And it doesn't say hang out with them. It doesn't say follow them. It says if they don't accept the truth that you've brought them to shake off the dust of your feet when you leave. I'm not sitting down, I'm sorry, I'm not sitting down with somebody that wants to compromise my beliefs. Why? Because my faith is fragile. My family's faith is fragile. Why would I invite that into my home? Well, hallelujah. Bible says avoid them. You know what I'm talking about. You taught any Bible studies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You hit that moment where you think to yourself, I don't think they really want to know about one God. I think the devil's occupying my time from reaching somebody that is hungry about the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you better be praying for discernment for God to lead you and guide you. Not everybody that wants to question you and run your, you, you, it's okay to defend. But you have to realize there comes a moment in time when somebody is being used by the adversary just to occupy moments of time when somebody is broken and hurting on the back pew for you to reach somebody that needs God. Hallelujah. Contrary doctrine. Talking with people that openly tell you what you believe is wrong. Not having a spirit of understanding. You can't listen to poison indefinitely and expect not to be contaminated. 
I've listened to some people for long enough to, for myself to start questioning, what do I really believe? Man, it, the devil had my mind so, so sideways, I didn't know what was up and what was down. But can I tell you, God finally found me in the altar. He said, son, I've done told you. Shake off the dust of your feet. Find somebody that loves me and wants me and preach the truth. Hallelujah. Somebody that wants to diminish the standards that your pastor has set in place. I'm sorry, I'm feeling some type of way. Because I get upset whenever I know what I fight and what I have to shield my family from. This, this wicked world that's out there. I expect my adversary to hit me when I'm at work. I expect it to come from people on the job. But whenever your family, your closest friends, your peers, you don't have to. I know Bishop preaches that. You don't have to do that. Can I tell you, you just, if you entertain that type of talking, you let that into your home, you start being okay with the adversary whispering poison into your ears. It's only a matter of time before you get sideways and start to question your leadership. That's the truth whether you believe it or not. You can't sit there and take poison into your ears day in and day out. And the devil shoot darts into your mind and you not be affected. Hallelujah. They disrespect your faith. You got to understand, I don't even have feelings no more. I lost my feelings. I don't get hurt feelings. What I'm worried about is some convert that's sitting on a pew over here in poison. Oh, I'm, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. There's got to be something that raises up inside of you that says whether bishop's watching me or my leader, I'm going to stand for this truth. I'm going to go after that lamb that's defenseless. I'm going to pull him from the arms of the adversary. I'll tell you what's popular. They had a conference just here recently and a, a powerful elder, very well respected, was preaching on biblical truths and standards and doctrines. And this device, this invention called Instagram... I'm just going to pray. I ain't got nothing to lose. We preach what I'm preaching. I know it because I live here. I know you preach what I'm preaching. Sometimes the adversary will tell us we can follow things because some of the stuff's funny. Some of it's kind of kidding around. They got, organ, they, got, they got pages like church milk and all these other ones. I'm telling you right now, the book of Luke says that the first thing you have to be is rejected of this regeneration. I'm not looking to fit in with the secular world. I'm not looking to fit in with a crowd that is compromised. I'm standing on the truths that were handed to me. Hallelujah. 
I'm not looking at filth that runs another man of God down. I'm not following that. The Bible says uh, to leave them. I'm not entertaining filth for my family to see. I said, something's wrong with us if we can laugh at another man of God that's getting raked over the coals and crucified. But look, he was never supposed to fit in. Matter of fact, if you make it on that page, you're right on track because everything this Bible teaches is going to cut coming and going. We're not supposed to fit in. We're not changing. The standards are staying. The doctrine is staying. Thus saith the Lord. I'm sorry, I grew up in an Instagram world, but I have, no, I have no intention on making any of their reels. I don't care if they like me. I don't care what they post. But I will not follow that poison and that filth, not when at the cost of the anointing of another man of God. There it is. Yeah. You can follow it if you want, but can I tell you what you're doing? You're teaching your babies how to entertain poison. You're teaching your baby. Baby, it's okay. You can walk with them sometimes. You can talk with them. Sometimes you can follow them sometimes. And what you're doing is you're planting seeds of doubt into their spirit. Need church milk and magnesia is what you need. Makes me sick. Ain't nothing but filth. You know the criteria? There are a bunch of reprobates that run the page. I'm just telling you. The people that I follow or that I'm going to listen to aren't angry with God or his man. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to impress somebody that's fell out with God and that has curses on their life. I'm trying to adhere to the high calling of God and the will of God for me and my family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, give us preachers with a backbone that'll look the devil square in the face and not be afraid to speak this word of God, uncompromised, unadulterated. If God tarries, I want my kids, I want your babies to be able to stand in an unfettered pulpit and preach without the fear of being called and picked on by their fellow peers. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5 and 11 tells you what to do with them. No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Can I just make it, break it down in layman's terms? You don't need to be fellowshipping with nobody that has bad fruit. You need to find people that produces good fruit. You need to find people that know how to teach a Bible study. Find somebody that knows how to sing for God. Know and find somebody that knows what it's like to be consecrated before God. Oh, my God. God, give our generation true leaders. They're watching you. They're watching me. They're watching you, and they're watching me. They're watching what you adhere to. They're watching what you allow into your life. And can I tell you, you have no idea the implications of eternity by the actions that you take when you're in leadership. No fellowship with the unfruitful. 
1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to us. That's why I said you're either apostolic or you're atheist. Because if you adhere to the gospel, if you adhere to his word, you would know that just because you speak in tongues and you got your dress linked just right and you got everything all cleaned up, but if your mouth is an overrun sewer and all that comes out is filth and unfruitful darkness, I'm sorry, my friend, you don't know God. That's hard to hear, but I'm sorry. God wanted me to say it. That is unfruitful works. It's, it is detrimental to your soul and your spirit to entertain filth and poison. Verse 4 says, he is, he is proud knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of truth. I'm just telling you right now, I'm not going to sit at a table where it's an open forum to bash another man of God. Whether if in somebody's home or wherever I'm at, I'm not sanctioning that type of curse on my family. I'm not putting that type of curse on my children. I'm not entertaining any filth, any poison. If you got something to say, don't say it around me. I'm proud of that. I want people to know I can't talk like that about in front of Brother Hammond. I can't talk like that in Brother Salah. I can't talk like that in front of Pastor Salah. Why? Because they know that just saith the Lord, if they say one side word, then anything about their ministry, their bishop, their doctrine, their church, you're going to meet the fighting side of an apostolic, one God, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled saint of God. He says that supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. I know it's elementary in teaching, but this is basic, but sometimes I need to hear this stuff. I need to be reminded that the words I speak have implications that are much deeper than what my mind can even fathom. The, the things that people overhear me say, they have implications of eternity. There's people that are struggling with their faith that may hear me say something that isn't going to uplift them or edify them. i got to be careful in what I am speaking. If we're really apostolic... We say we know God. How can our fruit and our communication be so perverse? I grew up in this. The church has run rampant. It's everywhere. Because for some reason we think that just as long as the outside of the cup is clean... That's all that anybody pays attention to anyway. But if for some reason around a table, behind some closed doors, all of a sudden we get some extra liberty that the Bible doesn't really talk about where we can speak about people and our communications become evil. The Bible says that it's, it speaks evil of those that do good. You notice I gave people a laundry list of stuff to talk about before I knew God. You know it's the adversary when they don't pick anything off that list. And they said, well, 
He didn't play just right. He wasn't, uh, you know, his spirit. He wants to target something that's inside the church. I can tell you that is an indication from the devil that that is not God trying to edify you. Anything that comes against you and tries to tear you in your work and your ministry down is from the adversary. Can I tell you the worst place in the world to be injured? Proverbs 18 and 14 says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. God help us in the church. People expect to get trampled on and beat up in barrooms, nightclubs, back alleys, the streets. God help us. You know, because his spirit, will, it, it'll, it'll nurse that infirmity, but a wounded, that wounded spirit, there's something that happens when somebody gets hurt in church. It hits way, way different. When somebody gets church hurt, it takes years, sometimes years and years for them. Why? Because trust, sacred trust has been broken. And now when you're supposed to be able to trust one single place where you can bring all your troubles and all your burdens to, now it's been compromised. When the church is compromised, nothing in the world is center. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 15 and 28, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Let me repeat that. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. I heard a preacher one time tell me, he said, when I was young, I thought I had it all figured out. The older I got, the more I knew I didn't know. There's a lot we have to learn about this truth, and there's a lot of things that can seem complicated, but can I tell you, it's so easy. Just follow your man of God. Follow your man of God. Trust your man of God. Follow his voice. Trust his voice. Trust his guidance. Trust his wisdom. Trust your family with your leadership. Evil communications are unrighteous. Can I tell you about people that are like waves in the ocean? James 1 and 6 says, He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. God spoke to me about this. Let not that man think he receiveth anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You better be careful with hanging out with people that shout with you in the, in, the, in the altar. They fellowship with you at dinner. But then behind closed doors, they're double-minded. They don't really believe what you You know what that is? That's spiritual schizophrenic. The medication is the Holy Ghost. You get it in the altar. 
You don't need a prescription. You got to stop being double-minded. You got to stop riding the fence. You got to develop a backbone that says, I'm not going to be a part of this wicked generation. I'm going to ride for Jesus Christ. We talk to people that pray in the spirit, but they spew poison. Want to help and labor in the kingdom with you long enough to get you alone and speak evil of those that are doing good. I'm just telling you tonight, God sent me here to warn the church in revival. You got to be careful what you say and you got to be careful who you listen to. I'm telling you, there's an unprecedented revival that is happening right now, but we've got to be careful what God's entrusted us with. I was in a conference last week. Anybody, does God talk to you at, at any place, any, at just any time? God will just drop something in your spirit. Sometimes God yells at me. He yelled at me on this one. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. That's the Bible. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. The measure of perfection is the discipline of a man's tongue. I mean, we can be studious and we can study and read our Bibles. We can give Bible studies every night of the week. We can talk and reach people. We can witness to people in the restaurant. We can talk to people that we come about and during our day. But I can tell you that the measure of your maturity, the measure of discipline in your spiritual walk with God is how much can you control what you say. It's tough, but it's right. I was standing there. You can't rule your flesh if you can't keep your mouth shut. I'm going to say it. I was standing in there and I was talking to God. God was giving me this message and downloading it. And I said, God, what, what happens if somebody tells me something? What happens? And he's yelled at me. He said, if you can't say something nice or edifying, shut your mouth. If you can't say it with grace, shut your mouth. If you can't edify the kingdom, shut your mouth. If you can't speak good of those that are doing good, shut your mouth. I don't know if that's politically correct or not, but I'm just telling you what God told me. If we can't say something that's going to uplift our brother or sister, whether you agree with it or not, we've got to learn to keep our mouth closed. That way God can speak through us, not our flesh, not our tongue, but that the Holy Ghost can minister through us. Hallelujah. Bible talks about those men and women that are double-minded. James 3 and 3 says it's like a bit in a horse's mouth. That little bitty piece of metal, all that horsepower by that one little piece of metal. The Bible says in verse 4, it's like the big ships, they're drawn with a very small helm right here. Big doors turn on little hinges. 
Verse 5 says, little members boasteth great things. 7 says, tamed all beasts. This is referring to in Genesis when Adam spake. And I can tell you that there's power in the tongue. It's got power to tame. It's got power to provoke. Our responsibility as Christians and as good people of God is to season with salt and grace and to know that God give me the word. I'm not going to speak it, God, if you didn't tell it to me. God, I'm not going to speak on it if you didn't tell me to speak on it. God, if it's not edifying to the church, if it's not uplifting, it's not coming out of my mouth. Verse 8 said, it's full, your tongue is full of deadly poison. 9 says, we bless God with the same mouth that we curse him with. What he's talking about is that we curse men with that same mouth. God already knew in the Bible, it ain't never changed. The devils work the same way. Had people in the altar praying and living for God, and all of a sudden they want to curse. They don't curse God. They want to curse the creation that's in his image. Can I tell you something? That person that you don't really like, God created that. I'm just telling you, I had to learn some stuff to heart. God, that's God's baby. That's God's creation. You may not have a love for it, but there's the love of the Father that sees past all that junk, all those scars, all those battles. God still loves them. Hallelujah. I'm winding down. Verse 11 says, the fountain that sends forth at the same place sweet and bitter water. Verse 12 asks us, can the fig tree bear olive berries? I know we're saying we look like figs, and, but if we're producing olives. What I'm preaching about tonight is God has planted this so deep in my spirit. He's trying to warn his people. He is trying to warn us. Just because we labor in the kingdom, you can't replace your relationship with labor. I'll say it again. You can't replace your relationship with labor in the kingdom. You need to get yourself right. You need to get secured in the kingdom of God, not where you're double-minded, but where you're delivered from everything that's battling you. Then you can withstand the trials of this world. He's telling us those fig trees ain't going to bear olives. You know what that's called? An olive tree. God didn't care what it looked like. He's judging them by their fruit. Now this here, I don't know how far we'll get. God has been screaming this in my ear. This is for some people in the house. What does Satan really, really want? Evil communication, what's that bring about? Evil tongue, murmuring, complaining, what, what, what does it all boil down to? What's he, what is he really after? I'm going to tell you. You see, the devil's always been the same way. The day that you found God, the day that you got delivered, you embarrassed him. He don't really care... Sister Michelle, he don't really care about Bible studies. I'm telling you, he don't care about bus routes. 
He don't care about Sunday school. He doesn't care about my ministry. There is one thing that the adversary is really, truly after. Your testimony. I feel the Holy Ghost. Revelations 12 and 11 said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It's not a coincidence that the words you speak to tear down somebody is the same word that's supposed to have power to defeat the devil. He's not after your car. He's not after your finances. He's not after your family. He's after eight years of drug addiction. He's after 10 years of gangbanging. He's after four failed suicide attempts. Why? Because if he can discredit your testimony, I feel it. If he can discredit your testimony, every Bible study you ever taught doesn't mean anything. Every, every child that you reached doesn't mean anything. Why? They were always a has-been. I told you they were no good. He's not after anything in this world. He's not after your job. He's not after your family. He is after your testimony. Can I just preach to somebody? I'm, I'm getting down in here. The devil done told you that people's been running their mouth about you, and they've been saying things. Can I just tell you? I am more scared of an individual that will not respond to anything. I've met some gray-headed ladies in my life that simply said, I'm just going to pray about it. Can I just tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, I feel this. Whatever somebody's saying about you, whatever evil spirit's coming against you and your family, just pray about it. You ain't got to say a word. What the devil's trying to do is discredit your testimony. He's trying to call you a fraud, and he's hoping that you will buckle under the pressure. But there's something that's greater in you. God has called you to this place. God has called you to this hour. You have anointing and power. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel that so strong. He ain't after your business. He ain't after your checking account. He ain't after your truck. He ain't after, he ain't repoing nothing. Baby, if he could say that you were all you were was a has-been, if he could take your testimony and just walk all over and say, see, I told you, they never had any power anyway. I'm telling you, that's what the devil's after in this church. Don't let him beat you up. Don't let him catch you off guard. Don't let him catch you slipping because he's after one thing in one thing only. Baby, he's after your testimony. I said the curtain's pulled back now. I know who my God is, and I know who the adversary is. I'm not running. I'm not afraid. I got ten toes down. Hallelujah. I got a lot invested in my testimony. And if I could just be transparent and tell you, there's been many days where I felt like, God, I don't want to fight anymore. 
God, it's heavy. God, it's coming from every side. God, uh, there's more voices against me than there is for me. God, uh, I can't hear you. I can't feel you. God, I need you. And God will just start speaking to me. Son, remember when you put the alcohol down? Yes, yes, yes. Son, do you remember when you didn't commit suicide? Yes, yes. Son, do you remember when I pulled you out of that grave? Son, do you remember when I took the needle out of your vein? Do you remember when I put the bag of dope out the car? Do you remember? Do you remember? Somebody ought to shout on that because the devil might have had you fooled, but I know my testimony. I know where God brought me. I know what it cost me, and I'm not giving anything up to some beady-eyed devil. Hallelujah. I'm not atheist. I'm apostolic. <laughs> If you'd have caught me a couple weeks ago on a bad day, I'd have said, I need to pray about it. But I can tell you flat-footed tonight, I know who my God is. I know what the devil wants, and he can't have it. I'm closing with this, and then we can chew the ceiling tiles. Psalm 143 says, sharpen their tongues like a serpent. But you notice he used two different types of distinctions. Serpent, but then he says the adder's poison is under their lips. Because you may think that serpent's non-poisonous. Not all snakes are venomous. You play with the wrong snakes long enough, you're going to get bit. You keep playing with the wrong fire. You keep talking to the wrong people. You keep entertaining that filth. I'm telling you, it won't be long before that, that poison oozes from their lips. And then you don't understand why you're falling out from the church. You're upset with Bishop, and you don't understand why you're struggling with your faith. It's because you're playing with poison. This is the last thing. Can you show that image? James 5 and 9. Would you get me James 5 and 9? It's the year of the open door. God spoke to me in prayer about this. It's like God, I, I'm not saying I can read your mind. God just told me. He said, it's, it's been the year of the open door, but my door ain't here yet. My, my door ain't here yet. My door must be late. It must be on them boats out there in the ocean. I'm going to help somebody tonight if you're honest with yourself. This only works if you're honest. Grudge not against one another. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. I may be preaching to myself. If you got something in your heart, you got something in your spirit, I don't care if they, it's been 10 years ago. You better get it. That's, what, that's what's been clogging up this blessing. That's what's been clogging up this open door. There's a judge at the door, and you may be able to fool everybody else, but you can't fool God. You need to bury some stuff at this altar. You need to get rid of that trash. Why? Because the judge is at the door.
Matthew 7, you don't have to bring it up, but Matthew 7 and 15 through 21 basically says, beware of the false prophets in sheep's clothing. Yeah, they're going to look like you. They're going to talk like you. Ye shall know them by their fruits. What I keep feeling this conviction in my spirit, I want every one of us to ask ourselves personally, God, if somebody saw me and they didn't know me, what fruit do I have? We're like a light into this generation. Sometimes when we get around people that dress like we do, we all of a sudden we fall in line, we get holy, our, our mouth straightens up a little bit, and we, we, we curb our speech to a degree. But God, if somebody was lost in the world, they were looking for figs, but all they saw was an olive tree. There's eternal implications to your speech. I know it's elementary. God is inspecting the fruit. I feel this spirit, and I know it's coming down, but it's what God wants. I felt, a, I felt the holy fear when God was giving this to me. Because the scripture says that every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn into the fire. I hope we haven't got so far along as a generation where we automatically feel like God can't judge people. And I'm not getting into theological dispense. I'm just saying God can do anything he wants at any time. I said he's still the God of yesterday, today, and forever. I'm just, I'm just telling you the conviction that God has put in my spirit. Inspect your fruit. Inspect your fruit. This isn't about disappointing a man and a woman. This isn't about disappointing an organization. This is about disappointing God. This is about your fellowship with God. When God looks at you on that day and says, well done, I want to hear those words. Furthermore, I want my babies to hear those words. I don't want my kids to get confused because they didn't know really how daddy really lived and mommy written. No, baby, you're going to know where daddy stands. If nobody else knows, you're going to know what's right and what's wrong. Why? Because our generation has to be bold. God won't destroy the vineyard, but he will cast down the unfruitful plant. That's all I'm going to say as they play. God's calling this house. These people, these precious people, God has put a great responsibility of revival within this church. God, perfect our speech. God, let us be mindful of our speech. God, don't, don't find me wavering to a neighbor in a moment of, of weakness. God, don't let, it's not saying you've got to be invincible, but God, help us to weigh our words. The scripture says to study, to be quiet. The judge is at the door. Some of you got some wounds that are, that are fresh. 
I feel that in the Holy Ghost. You don't even understand. You can't get past half of what I preach. But those wounds, I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to fix from you walking through that door is you coming right to this altar and saying, God, no, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. They sow discord. They ran your name through the mud. But it's up to your salvation that you put it on this altar. I said it better die at this altar. As they play, God's calling some people tonight to just inspect what fruit am I? What fruit do I produce? Somebody sees me on the side of the road and needs my help. What do they see? On my job, do people know me as that guy that goes to church? Hey, don't talk to that guy. He's going to talk to you about church. Don't talk to her. She's going to talk to you about her God. The Bible said a city set on a hill. Come on. There's an altar. It's not too late. Your door is still there. Your door is still there. Come on, there's salvation in the altar. There's repentance uh, in the altar. God says, no, uh, I'm giving you a call. There's still time. Uh, there's still time. Uh, do you love me? Uh, come on, some of you have fought tooth and nail for your testimony. You came into this house not understanding if you would live to see tomorrow. Your testimony is worth everything. That's what he's after. That's why he battles you. He's after your testimony. With your power. With your prayer. I long to. Come on, there's a spirit of unity in the house. There's not division here. I wish that everybody that's in this place would find somebody. Come on. When there's unity, God will come down. When there's unity, God will come down. When there's unity, God will come down. Come on. I'm apostolic to the core. I'm apostolic in my speech. I'm apostolic in everything. Come on, prayer warriors. Lord, I long to be. Come on, prayer warriors. Find somebody that's struggling. Find somebody that's bleeding. Find somebody that's wounded. Come on. There's healing in your testimony. There's healing in your testimony. There's power in your testimony.
the devil doesn't want. Uh, he doesn't want this. Uh, you're getting power over him. Come on, that's it. Some people are leaving a lot of stuff at this altar. God, I'm leaving all the olives at the altar. God, they will know me by my fruit. They will know me by my testimony. God, I've got power and dominion over the enemy. Why? Because I overcame him. speaking to you your testimony God speaking to you your testimony I saved you I saved you I kept you I brought you
You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, when you don't have the words to speak of, pray in the Holy Ghost. somebody of their testimony God's reminded somebody of what it cost you to come out of the filth that you came through it wasn't a coincidence it wasn't for nothing it was because it gives you power over your adversary come on come on he's after it he's after it he's after your testimony he's after it 